You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back to the Battery Power Podcast Network. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my co-host Stephen Talbot. How are you tonight, Stephen? What's up, Chris? Yeah, it's been it's been a fun week since we last talked. Braves have been playing well. They just won the first three against St. Louis. They're playing the fourth one as we record, so it's been fun. We got an interesting show tonight. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this game, though, and and the performance that Spencer Strivers uh, put together tonight is pretty unbelievable. You know, we'll leave some of that to Brad and, and Brad and Scott and guys this weekend. But uh, we want to really uh, focus in on a trade deadline. We're, what, maybe four weeks away, three and a half weeks away. Uh, it's starting to become a, a pretty important topic. You know, it's something that uh, it's going to be in, in the news uh going forward i think so uh what i thought we might do tonight is just kind of go position by position look at the look at the depth look at the uh, storyline surrounding them and uh and just see you know where we think it might make sense to for the braves to go out and uh and and make a move or, or maybe not make a move so uh does that sound good for you sounds good all right well let's do it i, I think the obvious place to start is the the rotation you know this starting rotation has been pretty solid all uh, at, at least to start the season uh, they've had four four of the five spots you know have been pretty locked down Spencer Strider kind of came in and, and locked down that fifth spot uh when nobody else could but now Ian Anderson's been a little bit up and down and mostly down of late uh, I know he did have a good outing his last time out but he still scattered eight hits over over five innings didn't give up a one run but that's something to keep an eye on I think going forward you know, there's a couple of a couple of storylines here as far as the rotation, and I know I read something today on MLB.com that uh, they predicted the Braves to be in the market for a starter. What are your thoughts on the rotation? I mean, what do you where do you think they're at? You know, and and do you think that this is the area that they might look to add somebody? So, the rotation is always interesting because one, and Alex has said this a couple of years now in a row, pretty much everybody is looking for pitching this time of year. You know, not everyone's looking for a third baseman. Not everyone's looking for a left fielder. Not everyone's looking for a catcher. But pretty much everyone's looking for pitching. And so what always happens at the trade deadline for starters is that price, the price to acquire these guys is just insanely high. You know, the Braves could probably use another starter, if we're being honest. Spencer Strider is never... He's never pitched at this, obviously, at this level, but he's also never reached the, the kind of innings that he's going to reach this year. Um, obviously, if he stays a starter, he's 
going to pretty easily get to 120, 130, maybe 140 innings this year. And he's never done that. And he's a rookie. And, you know, guys like that usually hit a wall at some point or, you know, if there's not a self-imposed innings limit, which Alex did an interview today and said that there wasn't, that he wasn't going to be on an innings limit. But, you know, I don't know how real that is. You know, I don't know how many of, I don't know how much of your cards you want to show before the trade deadline. So that's a position where you might want an extra guy. You know, Ian Anderson hasn't been great this year, for being honest. You know, the, the, the peripherals are all down. Strikeouts are down. Walks are up. Homers are up. Velocity is down. You know, it's, it just hasn't been a, a great showing for Ian this year, and that might be a spot where you're concerned. The Braves do have Kyle Mueller in, the, in AAA, so it's not a necessity necessarily. And, and you know, the wild card, of course, is, is Mike Soroka. No one really knows what the, the Braves are going to get from him. And I, I'm assuming that they're probably treating Mike as a, just a bonus option at this point. Anything they get from him is probably going to be just a bonus. So I could definitely see a scenario where they need a starting pitcher. I can more likely see a scenario where they would add bullpen help to mitigate. You know, Alex does that sometimes if he doesn't feel like he did it in the offseason. If, if he doesn't feel like he can get a starter, the next best thing is to fortify the bullpen, but we'll get into the bullpen here in a minute. But starters are just so expensive. There's not a lot of them. With a new wild card spot, there's one less. You know, there's one more playoff spot in each in each league, which means you know that's one or two or three more sellers that are that are not going to be around this trade deadline. So, I imagine the the price for the guy, the top guys, Luis Castillo of the Reds, the kind of the top guy that comes to mind, but. The price for those guys is just going to be so insanely high. Braves, you know, aren't really loaded with prospects anymore at this point. Uh, you know, early on, I would have said they're definitely going to go get a starter. I would probably amend that now to uh, I would actually probably lean towards the, they, they're not going to get a starter, not because they don't want one, but just because it's so expensive. And they do have some depth, depending on where Soroka is in his rehab, where they can they can weather a couple injuries. So uh, Every, you know, things can change. One of their guys could get hurt tomorrow and all this changes. But as it stands right now, I would say they probably will not get a starting pitcher at the deadline. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, talking about Strider, I think Brian Snicker talked about uh, an innings limit for him today, too, and, and said there wasn't one. But And I'm not really terribly surprised either because they will say a lot of times that uh, they will monitor – the guy's workload, how hard he's working, you know, how many high stress innings he has, you know, it is a situation where maybe they give him an extra day here or there, have a six, a, a six man rotation and all, which will be easier if Mike Stroka makes it back, which we'll talk about him in, his, in just a second again. But, uh, you know, they can, they can do some things to, to lighten the load on Strider. But, you know, and I mean, it's the interesting thing. You know, as we're sitting here, you know, they're two and a half games out. They really – and he's been one of their best starters. I mean, they really can't afford to to lessen him right now. You know, I mean, he's he's pitching very key innings for this rotation. So, you know, it's an interesting – it's going to be an interesting balance. Uh, you know, as long as – I think as long as he's not showing velocity loss or, or you know, is hurting or anything, then uh, I think they'll, they'll just continue to monitor him without maybe putting uh, – they may have a number internally, uh, but publicly, of course, they'll never release that. But I think it's also important that Charlie Morton has looked more like Charlie Morton in the last month. If the guy that we saw in April was still the guy pitching right now, yeah, then my, my answer might change. 
But he's looked so good. Charlie Morton's looked so good his last five or six starts. Um, even if Ian Anderson is not pitching great, you know, the other four guys are pitching so well, you could probably even just weather that. If you look at the postseason the last two years, you know, just having four guys, uh, four yep. capable guys, that almost feels like a luxury. I mean, when you yep. look at what they've had to piece together, and I mean, even in winning a World Series in 2021, you know, they still they were still piecing together uh, a rotation and going, you know, with uh, openers and, and whatnot. And I don't think that was something that they really wanted to do. It was just something that they had to do because of the hand they were dealt. So um, it is interesting. Mike Soroka, um, I think early this week, Brian Snicker said he was getting close to going out on a rehab assignment. And then there was a report that he, he took a he took a, a line drive off the knee that was going to set him back a few days. I don't think it was serious or anything. It's best just to, you know, not have a whole lot of expectations for Mike Soroka. And if you get anything out of him, then that's just a bonus kind of a wild card i feel like when he gets back they're gonna start him and it may be like a six-man deal it might be in a piggyback role with spencer strider potentially you know i'm just talking out loud here i don't know i don't know exactly what it will look like and and there could be an injury and, and you know and then at the same point you know we're talking about ian anderson uh uh, I think they really need him to put it together. He's been he's pitched good on uh, innings for them in the postseason, especially. Uh, we know how good he's been, but like you, as you said, it's it's been off this season uh, from the yeah. start, you know. And I think he's one that you can really kind of look to that shortened spring. It's like he's been trying to catch up. Uh, it seems like all all season long. So, uh, but there is some depth here on the forty man. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Muller. He. He made he's made one start in Atlanta this year. It wasn't good, uh, but he's quietly put together a really good season so far at Gwinnett. If they do swing a big trade, you know, I think he's somebody kind of keep an eye on, especially given what they've got exactly. And you know, and all these guys that I'm about to mention, Tucker Davidson, Waskar Yanoa, Bryce Elder, all those guys have, have made starts at the major league for the major league team this year. You know, you could see those are the type of names that could still end up playing a part down the stretch or they could be, you know, somebody like Bryce Wilson was last year at the deadline, you know, who could be headed elsewhere. Yeah. That, that's where I see it heading more is that, and maybe not, maybe not Mueller specifically, but I could see Davidson. I could see, you know, uh, I could see Bryce Elder. I could see those guys being used as currency in trades um, because those are the type of guys, you know, when you, the Braves aren't going to go get a, an all-star with five years of team control. They just don't have the prospects for that. The type of guys the Braves are going to get are, are more likely to be the guys, the kind of guys they got last year, rentals, guys who maybe aren't having the best seasons, but there's some peripheral numbers that maybe look strong that you could bet on. And the good thing about those guys is they don't cost a lot. They don't really talk, you know, they don't require top prospects to get. And so I could definitely see those guys being used in those types of trades. And we should point out that if the Braves do want to go get a starter, you know, again, I don't think that's a, a, the highest need at the moment. But if they do, there are some interesting names. You know, Frankie Montas of the of, of Oakland is out there. Yeah, he's had some injury problems here recently, but I, I think I heard that it's not that serious. He's expected to make his next start. Obviously, Luis Castillo. You know, the Reds have a couple of guys. Tyler Molly, the Braves just went up against in Cincinnati, is a solid starter. You know, there are some guys that if they wanted to add to the depth, if they got an injury, they could go after. But, yeah, I 
I don't see it at this point unless there's a, a significant injury. I think they're more likely to roll with what they have. Let's move over to the bullpen and and take a look at uh, kind of it. I mean, it's I think it's been a real strong group uh, of late. Uh, although we've we've you've seen how in recent days how a couple of injuries could alter things. Tyler Matzett just came back, looked pretty good in one instant. I know they said they were going to ease him back into high leverage situations. I think the velo was down. I think I saw some comments about that. I don't know how concerning that is yet. You know, he's it's been down pretty much the whole season. Uh, he says he's pain free. That's a big, you know, if the, you can get him back to anywhere close to where he was last year, that's a that's a huge addition. Um, Kenley Jansen's we talked about last week went on the injured list with a irregular heartbeat. All indications are he's going to be ready to come back as uh, as soon as IL times up. So, you know, there there's there's another big gun returning. It's going to be an interesting decision to see who uh, goes off the roster because uh, you can't carry but 13 pitchers now. Uh, so uh, that's I think that's a good place to start. I mean, who do you think's the odd man out when Jansen comes back? Yeah, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but it's there's not – I mean, there's not really an obvious guy that you drop. Obviously, with the pitcher limit now, you have to drop somebody when Jansen comes back. But, you know, if they're not confident that Tyler is fully back, you know, like you said, his Vila was down his last outing or his first outing back off the IL, but his velo has been down all year. So, you know, I don't know how new that is or if they feel like another IL stint would change that at all. But I guess technically they could just put him back on the IL if they wanted to try to keep everybody um, and try to keep him. You know, they did kind of rush his rehab a little bit. I think they, they needed some bullpen help when Kenley went down. And so they could always put him back on the IL if they feel like he still needs some time. You know, Darren O'Day is always the the obvious name just because of age and, and stuff. But, you know, I think he plays a pretty big role in the clubhouse. I think they, you know, I think the the whole bullpen kind of loves him. He's kind of the the glue guy down there. And we all know how much Snit loves his, his veterans. So um, I, I have a hard time seeing that. I hate to say it, but, you know, the most likely guy is probably Dylan Lee just because he's got options. And oftentimes when you have options and there's a – uh, there's a crunch, then you're the guy that gets uh, the short end of the stick. And, you know, Dylan Lee has been incredible since he's been up. I, of course, I don't want him to go down. He's been awesome. And, you know, he's he's earned a spot in the big league bullpen. But, you know, if they don't want to put Matzik on the IL and if they don't want to drop O'Day, then there's not really a great answer. So it will be very interesting to see. And my guess is somebody will, will make an IL trip just to, to – facilitate the adding Jansen back is my guess, but you know, you can never predict who that's going to be. They might have somebody who actually needs an IL trip. Somebody's got a sore arm or pulled groin or, you know, injuries always pop up. So that would be my guess if I had to predict today. Yeah. It seems like the other option would be Jackson Stevens. Um, but yeah. you know, he's been kind of a Swiss army knife for him. I mean, we've seen him close games. We've seen him, you know, come in and, and give multiple innings. He's already survived a couple of these, roster situations too and he's out of options so i agree with you i mean to me it looks like you know i don't think there's kind of short on right-handed guys anyway so i kind of feel lean towards it's probably going to be dylan lee but man he's allowed two earned runs over 17 innings since he's been up in the majors so you know he pulled for that guy you know I, and i i believe he would uh he will definitely figure in down the stretch if it does do that. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on uh, when Kenley does come back because 
uh, that's going to be a, a fascinating decision. Um, as far as the bullpen, though, uh, Kirby Yates supposed to be working his way back from Tommy John. I kind of slot, uh, slot him into the same deal as, as Soroka. I think if you get anything out of him, uh, that's great and everything, but I don't think you should automatically count on it. Uh, you know, guys, we've seen guys come back from Tommy John and, and be good to go. And then we've also seen guys come back, you know, and it takes a little longer. I, but he should he should be, if everything goes right, he should be, um, you know, starting a, a rehab assignment sometime after the All-Star break. I think that was the plan we'd heard uh, early in the season. Uh, as far as depth piece is still on the 40-man roster, William Woods is – has returned or is close to returning, I know. Jesus Cruz has logged some big innings. And then Jay Jackson, of course, just got optioned and activated off the 60-day. And I think, you know, he was pretty good for the Giants uh, as another Swiss Army type of uh, reliever. could do a lot of things. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix at some point too. But, you know, trying to fit 13 pitchers, um, you know, that's basically just eight eight relievers. There's a lot of options there. And, uh, you know, I, I think they will go out and they'll look for ways to make the team better. But, you know, uh, fitting them in and, and figuring out who you part with, I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think I think Kirby, Kirby Yates is definitely the wild card. I mean, obviously a lot like Soroka is. If they feel like he's healthy and it's going to be able to contribute to the bullpen – you know, August, September, October, then there is a scenario where they don't add bullpen. But if they don't, if they don't feel like he's there or will be there come September, then the Braves could probably use another right-handed reliever. You know, when when Luke Jackson went down, that was kind of the Braves' high-leverage right-handed reliever. Spencer Strider played that role a couple times before he got moved into the rotation. You know, they brought in Colin McHugh to play that role. He's had a he's had actually a pretty good year. He's had some couple of uh, notable blowups at times, and and so that that's I think that's hurt his trust level with in terms of Snicker, how much Snicker trusts him a little bit. But he's had a he's had a really solid season. Um, but the Braves probably want to add another right-handed reliever, I would guess. You know, because on the left side, they you know they have Mentor, they have Smith, you know, they have. Dylan Lee, if they wanted, he's been so good. You know, honestly, if the playoffs started today, I think Dylan Lee would probably be on the roster. Yeah, I do too. And so you've got three, you know, I understand Will Smith's not having the best year, but he's going to be on the team regardless that, you know, nothing's going to change that. So when you've got those three guys, Tyler Matzik obviously is still out there. Um, You don't know what you're going to get from him just because of the injuries and and the velo drop, but he is still out there. You know, the right-handed side is where – there's more question marks in my opinion and how is Jesse Chavez really this good. It's been amazing to watch him, but I, if he, you know, starting tomorrow, if he turns into a pumpkin, I don't know if anybody's going to be like overly shocked. You could probably say the same about Jackson Stevens. He's been incredible so far, but is it real? Is it this good? Can you trust this in October? So, and then obviously with Jansen, you know, he's had the heart problems for a long time now. This is not a new thing for him, but how trustworthy you know, is he, you know, obviously he's healthy. He's, he's a guy that you want in the ninth inning, but can he stay healthy? He's, he's obviously up there in age. So if I had to guess, the Braves, if they do make a trade for a reliever, are looking for a right-handed high leverage to semi-high leverage reliever to complement what I think is probably a more stable set of lefty relievers. 
Yeah, and I mean, you made a good point right there when talking about Jansen. I mean, Jansen, he's been great all season long. Um, you know, I know there's been a hiccup or two here, but that's just the way it is with a closer when you're you're pitching and you're always usually pitching in close games like that. But, you know, he's really locked down the ninth for Atlanta, and we've seen this over the last week or so without him. You know, they've they've went to Will Smith, who was it's you know, he hasn't really it's been it's been up and down. It's been the the full Will Smith experience, you know, and 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 he's used mentor a little bit there. If, I think if there is concerns about Jansen, hey, you know, it would might not be the worst thing to go out there and get another right handed guy that could close uh games. Maybe that's Kirby Yates. Um, but that is a good point, and it is something to keep an eye on. You know, hope hopefully J- Jansen's back, and uh, you know we never we don't have to worry about this situation again. Uh, but it does. I do agree. I think it does. It is worth mentioning, and um, you know, something to consider uh, when we start seeing him back out on the field again. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And the, the guy I would look at just to keep an eye on if you're looking for a potential trade target is David Robinson of the Cubs. Uh, he was out last couple of years with injury. He signed that big contract with Philly. It didn't work out. But he's been really good for them this year. Uh, he's, a, he's a veteran. He's a right-hander. He's pitched at the end of games. He's pitched in the postseason. And so he's a veteran. Obviously, Snit loves that. And he's a rental. And, you know, like we said earlier, that's what Alex is going to be looking for in terms of cost, just because of, you know, the prospect capital that the Braves don't have anymore. So David Robinson is definitely a guy, the Cubs, that, you know, if the Braves do go out and get a reliever, that would be, I don't know if he's top of my list. I'd have to look through the whole league, but um, he he would be close to the top because he just, he checks a lot of boxes. All right, moving on to the uh, position players. After what we went through, uh, the Braves went through last season uh, at catcher, uh, having Travis Darnall and and William Contreras this year has been has been so good. Uh, you know, because I mean, it was just man, it was bleak at times last season. You know, when they were just trying to piece that together. Obviously, you already had a, a pretty a significant, a very significant injury with Manny Pena going down for the season, but you know, I don't think they could have uh, really predicted that Contreras was going to contribute this well this early. Uh, I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys go uh, 50-50 almost with uh, 
Darnold start alternating starts the way we saw with Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki a few years back, honestly, just to try to keep both of them healthy. You know, catchers, they're pretty set. I think this is probably the position that, you know, barring an, an unforeseen injury, uh, this is what we're going to get. Uh, it would get interesting if if there was an injury, especially if it happened after the All Star after the uh, trade deadline, uh, because there's no waiver trades anymore. You know, I think at that point we'd probably be looking at something like Chadwick Trump or you know a free agent or something. But uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is the this is the group going down the stretch. And uh, you know, I, I don't even want to think about the uh, worst case scenario. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of Braves fans probably still have some version of PTSD from last year, watching Kevin Smith and, and Jeff Mathis. And I can't even remember all their names. Just, you know, basically yeah. be the worst, the worst collection of catchers in, in the league last year. And obviously Travis has been healthy this year. Knock on, knock on wood, knock on something. You know, that's been kind of the big thing in his career is being able to stay healthy. I think you're right. I think having somebody to split time almost, you know, 50-50, I think it's helped him. And I, I agree with you. I hope they continue to do that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing William catch a little more than he is now, to be honest, just to try to keep those guys healthy. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's no real way to add catcher depth at this point. You know, you're not really going to trade for a triple-A guy. The, the only way the Braves would make a move at catcher is if somebody got hurt between now and the trade deadline. Uh, I think that's the only way we would see a trade. And even then, there's not a ton out there. You know, obviously the Cubs probably going to trade Wilson Contreras, but that's going to be a, a serious package of prospects. That's not going to be something the Braves are in. Sean Murphy of Oakland is probably a guy that's going to get moved just because he's a veteran and Oakland's obviously uh, a dumpster fire this year. So they're probably going to move him. But, yeah, I mean, we saw it last year. When catchers go down, there's just not a ton of options out there. And so unless somebody gets hurt between now and, and the trade deadline, I, you know, the Braves are going to stand pat with what they have. And if an injury happens after the trade deadline, then you just – unfortunately, you just got to piece it together like you did last year. Yeah, well, you're hoping that somebody like Stephen Vogt or somebody, you know, becomes available after the fact. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, it was a it was a dumpster fire on the field. But, you know, from what we've read, Jeff Mathis and Stephen Vogt played a, a pretty significant part off the field uh, with that group when they started to make their run last season. So, you know, I think that's the type of player you'd be looking for, uh, honestly, and you'd hope that the whoever was still healthy could carry the load. You know, I thought it was important, you know, Travis – when Travis came back last year and he never was really healthy and it showed with the bat, you know, but having him behind the plate to handle the pitching staff was just, just huge down the stretch. So moving on, I think for me, this is my biggest question mark here. I mean, Ozzy Albies went down with the, with the foot injury. I, they've not been clear about a timeline for him um, that I've seen. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Uh, I've, it's something to the fact that, uh, you know, we expect him back or we hope he's back. Orlando Arcia got off the hot, hot start. Uh, we talked about him, I think, on the first episode of this podcast. But coming into Thursday, he was five for his last 60 and three for his last 34 overall. Uh, Phil Gosselin's made a few more starts uh, because Arcia has been struggling. I think if if there's any concern, if there's any thought that Albies might not come back, you know, going out and getting a left-handed, some an infielder that could play second and could possibly play elsewhere, you know, I think that could be a real boost for this team. You know, I don't 
I don't, I haven't looked, I don't like calling names, uh, because so, so often we're just completely wrong. Um, but if there is a, a left-handed utility type of guy out there, you know, I think if, if there's any concern about Ozzy coming back, I think that that could be an area that they could, they could be focused on. Yeah. You know, I said all those nice things about Orlando Garcia and then he just fell off the planet the last few weeks. So I still feel like, you know, Garcia, I think he's better than what I saw. I just think he, you know, when he's, he's starting, it's like he's overexposed almost, you know, and it's yeah. just like, well, the more you, the more you play, I still think he's, he's got value as a, as a utility guy that, you know, fills in here or there at different positions and, and the defense has been sound, but you know, yeah. I, I think the more, the more you run him out there regular, you know, the more, the more the weight just uh, builds on him. Yeah. And that does happen. I mean, we saw that a little bit last year when um, Adrianza had to play more than, you know, when he was just a pitch hitter early in the year, he was incredible. And then when the injuries happened and then they had to play full time, then, you know, the numbers tanked, and, and that's when Alex went out and made a bunch of trades for outfielders. And it's kind of a similar situation with Arcia, I think. You know, he, he was playing really well as a, a pinch hitter and a spot starter. And when he starts every day, he's just gotten exposed. And that's, you know, that's kind of what happens with bench players. And so I do think – I agree with you. I do think they will probably go out and add at least a middle infielder, probably a left-handed middle infielder those aren't terribly easy to find there's not a ton of those guys out there especially since there's just not as many sellers as there would normally be you know if if the playoffs didn't expand but I, I would guess that some sort of utility infield you know maybe utility outfield just some somebody who can play all of the diamond can hit left-handed or or switch it you know a lot like Adrianza did for the Braves last year you know i I would love it. The Braves wouldn't got Adrianza or somebody like him, but just somebody who could play in the middle infield. Somebody, you know, like you said, we don't really know when Ozzy's coming back. Quite honestly, we don't know if Ozzy's coming back this year. They've been very vague, and I think that's on purpose. That's not a that's not a a mistake on their part. They they clearly don't want to uh, pile on expectations when they don't really know if he's going to be back. But if they feel like he's not going to be back, then yeah, they they need to. They, they they need an ad another infielder because Orlando Garcia, Phil Goslin, that's that's kind of rough, you know, in terms of, of going into the postseason with that kind of you know those kind of options. So that's if Ozzy's if they're if they're worried about when Ozzy's going to be back or if he's going to be back, then middle infield, left-handed, somebody can play second, maybe some short, maybe some third, somebody like that. That will be probably at the top of the list, at least at this point. Obviously, injuries can change that. But at this point, I think that's – and we say left-handed just because, you know, the Braves are just so right-handed in the lineup, and that's been a problem all year. You know, obviously, Eddie coming back helps that, having another uh, another decent bat that, that hits lefty. But when Eddie and Ozzy were out, it was just Matt Olson. Matt Olson was batting lefty, and everyone else was right-handed, and – uh, I don't really count Mike Ford as an option. So um, they definitely will want to add another lefty, potentially pinch hit late in games if, if somebody's got a tough righty on the mound. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Middle infield, left-handed, that's probably Alex's number one target at this point. Yeah, and, I mean, even even if Ozzy returns, I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be the worst idea. And I think right. – uh, 
I think Alex was on, what was it? You shared a tweet with me today. It was Alex was on MLB uh, radio a few weeks back and talked about, uh, you know, the need to add a left-handed uh, bat, even after Eddie Rosario came, come back. So, you know, that's yeah. kind of what, that's kind of what I was basing my, uh, my argument on. The good news about the rest of the infield is it's set. Um, you know, you got yeah. Olsen at first, you got Swanson at short and you got Austin Riley at third and hope that, uh, those guys can stay healthy. They play every day. They're putting up, you know, good numbers. I mean, they've really, really carried the team um, from the get go. We need to say, you know, with the DH, obviously the DH is implemented this year. It wasn't last year, but with the DH, your bench is a lot less important. Obviously there's just not, there's really very little pinch hitting anymore. So, you know, these, these guys aren't going to play as much as, you know, the guys that were on the bench last year, but, you know, when you already have a significant injury to Ozzie like the Braves have had and you're already using backup players in the starting lineup, you really do need to go fix your depth. And I think that I think that's where Alex is going to focus. Even if they don't see a ton of time, you know, you're you're gearing up for the stretch run and the more depth right. you have, the the better off you're going to be. So Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, shifting gears back to the outfield. You know, well, this is a unit we've seen change a lot, uh, and the outlook changed a lot from uh, where we were on opening day. You know, it seems like ages ago we we began the season with uh, Marcel Zuna in left, Adam Duvall in center, and uh, Eddie Rosario in right. And, uh, you know, it seems like this situation's uh, stabilizing a bit now. Cunha's going to play every day in right. Michael Harris is going to play every day in center. And it seems like it may not be a straight platoon, but we're starting to see uh, Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall kind of in a platoon situation uh, in left field. Uh, Duvall started against a left-hander tonight. Eddie Rosario has been playing. Um, he's made, I think, three starts since coming back. So, you know, the good news is is whoever's not in the lineup strengthens the bench, especially if you've already got William Contreras there. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought this was an area that, hey, they might have to go out and make a move. But I don't uh, – now that Rosario's back, I think it's more of a wait and see. And uh, if he's anything close to where he's been in his career, I think the – you know, I think the outfield's kind of set. The outfield is very, very interesting to me because, you know, you, you have Adam Duvall, you have Eddie Rosario, and in theory that makes just a perfect platoon in left. And that should work on paper at least. The problem is Adam Duvall has been pretty terrible this year offensively. And does Alex feel like he needs to add another depth piece in the outfield just in case, you know, if you look at the numbers of Duvall, Rosario, Ozuna, kind of collectively, at least offensively, it's been kind of rough this season, right? I mean, you know, you know Acuna is going to play, you know Michael Harris is going to play, but that that left field DH combination, you know, are you happy with the Ozuna, Duvall, Rosario trio handling those two spots on a nightly basis and if you are if you're confident that the numbers are going to pick up that the production's going to be there then you you're probably set there you don't really need to add more if you're not if you're worried about 
you know, one of them or two of them, or, you know, I guess even possibly three of them, then I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went and added somebody. And one of the reasons I say that is just because, and we saw this last year, you know, there's typically a, a decent amount of outfielders available. Um, usually rentals, usually pretty cheap. You know, the Braves rebuilt their outfield last year and didn't use a single top prospect to do it. You know, you can get decent outfield help for pretty cheap. And so, you know, if Alex is, is nervous about any of these three guys or multiple of them in their production this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he went out and added another, you know, another hitter. You know, they could easily take Heredia's spot on the, on the roster. He's really not doing much these days, you know, now that the Braves have Harris. So that would be my only caveat is if, if they're at all worried about the, the, the struggles of Duvall or, or Ozuna or Rosario at the plate this year. And I wouldn't be surprised just for how cheaply they could do it if, if Alex went out and added a, another bat in the outfield. You know, the reason I, I centered on a platoon situation, uh, it's a small sample, obviously, 70 plate appearances. But Adam Duvall's got 134 weighted run created plus uh, with them. The on-base percentage is still low, 286, but he's slugging 585 against lefties, 870 OPS. Um, now, obviously, the more opportunities he gets, that probably comes down a little bit. I think the wild card in this is kind of Rosario. He hit his first home run the other night. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's got as many hits now in a week as he had uh, before he went on the I.L. You know, obviously, you're hoping that, you know, he can come back. And and I don't know that he's there. I don't think – I'm not expecting him to be as scorching hot as he was down the stretch last year. But if he's – you know, if he can just be a reliable – presence out there that's a huge upgrade over what they've had but I think you know like you said we're still we're still what three and a half weeks away you know if we get to the if we get close to the deadline and Rosario's struggling then you may you may they may have to make a move uh you know so I I think you know there's still I think the jury's still out I mean they're probably putting fillers out you know they're doing their due diligence but theory if Rosario hits well and Duvall continues to hit against lefties I think you can make it work and Duvall's defensive ability and able to play, you know, really all three positions if he absolutely needed to, just gives you a little bit of ex- extra versatility as far as that goes. I think that combination can work as long as they buy into it and there's no no reason to think that they won't. The DH situation is another, it's another good one. Uh, you know, I've talked about Ozuna a lot. It's looked a little bit better here in uh, uh, July. It's, of course, a small sample, but – the thing that got out at me, I really looked at his baseball savant page today, and there's a lot of red there, you know, in, in, the, in the categories you expect. But um, the walk rate's down to almost a league, uh, a career worst. The chase rate, he's chasing more. Um, that's uh, he, that's stabilized a little bit of late. You know, he's not reaching as, as quite as much. He's showing some signs. There's, there's at least a little bit of a reason to be optimistic about it. You know, but if I mean, if he he goes into another prolonged slump, then it kind of saps some of your depth. And I could see him going out and trying to get another outfield bat that they could also swing through it at DH. Um, where are you buying uh, a Nozuna turnaround? I mean, he's had some big hits lately. I know he's. I saw a crazy stat from uh, Justin Toscano today uh, in the AJC. He he talked about how Ozuna's come up with some big hits late in games and, and was actually hitting pretty well, you know, late in, in, in key situations. But, uh, you know, the overall numbers are, have been disappointing, and it's been that way since, you know, he was just a, uh, an MVP candidate in 2020. Yeah, Ozuna is tricky. It's, you know, because 
you know, baseball savant allows us to look at all of these expected numbers, you know, how a guy is hitting and versus, you know, his production versus what his production should be based on neutral conditions. And, you know, if you, if you look at Marcelo Zuno's expected numbers, and this is where a lot of people have planted their hope and, and their, their trust and that his expected numbers are significantly higher than his actual numbers. Like he's underperforming his expected stats by quite a bit. And, and, you know, if you're lucky, then, you know, that those, that's an indication that better times are ahead, so to speak. Um, the problem and, and the reason I don't spend a lot of time on those numbers is because if you look at just his career, you know, Marcelo Zuna has, kind of always underperformed his expected numbers in terms of baseball savant. It's kind of a pattern with him. And it's never, it's not to this extent. He's definitely underperformed them by more this year than normal. But, you know, there's, there's obviously some sort of blind spot in these expected stats when it comes to Ozuna where there's a pattern and it's not, you know, it's not just clear cut that he's just going to turn a corner and, and be the guy he was in 2020. You know, the good thing for Ozuna is that even though he hasn't hit a ton, he has hit – well, one, he's he's still hitting homers. He, he's averaging about a homer a week. And two, like you said, he is coming up with at least big hits. They're not a lot of hits, but at least when he's getting them, they seem to be in, in, in somewhat big spots. Uh, you know, last night, obviously, the the game was 0-0 and he hit a home run, right? Obviously, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, and the Braves wanted to win that game, so – you know, he has done that, and he's hit some big homers late in games. The worrisome part is that we're going on, you know, if you if you take into the at-bats he did have last year, you know, we're going on 500, 600 plate appearances with Ozuna where he's a sub, you know, he's below league average in terms of his offensive production. And, you know, when he's your DH, obviously DHs provide nothing in the field. Um, when Ozuna does play in the field, it's it's a very, very large negative um, you know, they usually don't provide much on the bases. All of their value is tied into their, their bat. And when you've got a guy who's your DH, who's a below league average hitter, that's obviously a problem. Now, the other part of this is that Ozuna makes a lot of money. So, you know, he's not exactly just going to get replaced, so to speak. But, you know, if they're worried about production long term, yeah, I really – they're not going to – I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think anybody's going to take him off their hands in a trade. I think they're just going to have to play it out. But I do see a scenario where they try to go get another guy that can at least split time with him. You know, if Duvall and Rosario are going to split time, I really wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got another left-handed bat that could do the same thing with Ozuna uh, to face tough righties or whatever. So – you know, it just depends on what they think internally. I mean, that's really what all comes down to is do they trust Ozuna? Do they feel like these expected metrics are going to eventually win the day? Are they worried about the fact that he kind of always underperforms these metrics? Just kind of what what do they think? And I could see a scenario where, you know, Duvall has a hot July, Rosario has a hot July, and they just run with what they've got. And I could also see a scenario where one, two, or even all three of those guys kind of stay cold and they look to, to add depth in the outfield. You know, I could really see either scenario. Yeah, I don't give – I don't think there's any chance that we're going to see them move on from Ozuna at this point. I think he has turned the corner enough that uh, they wouldn't even think about that uh, at this point. And, you know, coming into Thursday night, to your point, it's 500 
40 plate appearances. It's with an 86 weighted runs created plus over the last two yeah. years. Now, yeah. that also comes with a, a 244 batting average on balls in play. And when you consider how hard he hits the ball, that is a little bit – you do raise your eyebrow at that a little bit. But Yeah, he, he should see some positive regression at some point. The thing to me I stopped I stop short on is just how much he's not walking. Uh, if you go back to 2019, his last year with the Cardinals, he walked 11% of the time. If you go to 2020, he walked 14% of the time, which was, you know, he was never going to continue to do that. Uh, but, I mean, that season uh, shifted, uh, uh, made a lot of – it was unreasonable. It was 60-game season. It was it a was small sample size. But, I mean, he basically walked or he was raking. Uh, that was that was pretty much the, the goal for it. Um, you know, he's swinging at a, ball, a lot of balls out of side. The, uh, his chase rate's up. Uh, but when you look at it, the strikeout rate's pretty static over the last three seasons, even going back to 2020. So, that, to me, that tells me, you know, he, it's, it, he's getting some soft contact. He's getting himself out, you know, with that. And I think the ground ball rate's up a little bit. But I agree with you. I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think it's an important three and a half weeks for him. If I could see him losing at bats, if Rosario and Duvall got going, uh, we, same thing with William Contreras. If he go, went through another hot streak, you know, if they're going down the stretch and Ozuna's just an automatic out, you know, I think you're going to see one of those other guys uh, probably get some DH at bats and 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 into the mix. And, uh, you know, and that may factor very well, very well could factor into what uh, what they do at the trade deadline if they try to get a, another left-handed uh a left-handed bat that they could DH or even play in left field. And I think we also probably need, just for the sake of covering all the bases here, I do think we need to point out that, you know, Michael Harris is, you know, he's been very, very, very good, probably exceeded expectations at this point, but he's still a rookie and, you know, it's not inconceivable, you know, a lot like Austin Riley did when he came up in 2019 where, you know, you're hot for the first two months and then, you, you know, the league catches up and you struggle you know, they could want insurance, you know, if they if if Michael Harris falls off a little bit and they don't want to necessarily play him every day. I don't think that would happen just because his defense is so good. But, you know, you could talk yourself into another outfit or just, you know, between all of the concerns between Duvall, Rosario, Zuna, the fact that Harris is a rookie, the fact that Acuna is still dealing with the knee stuff and, you know, coming back from a serious injury, just one of those things by itself is probably not enough of a reason to go add somebody. But if you if you add it all up collectively, that might be enough to where you should, you know, where Alex is just like, you know what, we're just going to add one more guy just in case. And, and, and also because Heredia's roster spot is really not doing much right now. You know, he's just kind of a, a defensive replacement that doesn't come in a ton. You know, he's obviously not hitting. It's very easy to find a roster spot for another outfielder if if you're so inclined. So um, I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I'm, uh, you know, it is worth pointing out. And I, I think Michael Harris is going to be fine. I think he's going to have some, he's going to have some ups and downs at the plate, like all rookies do. Uh, but his walk rates, 3.6%. His Woba's 353, his expected weighted on is uh, 335. So there's probably is some regression coming. But the thing you like about him is the defense is going to keep him in in the lineup, the stolen base. He's got the speed, you know, on the bases when he does get on, on and, uh, you know, he's just been, he's just shown an ability to, to make adjustments. So I feel like, I feel like that walk rate will probably come up a little bit. And as long as he just doesn't crater 
um, you know, I, I think it's going to be hard to get him out of center field. But you're right. You know, you you may they may want another option there, just in case because they've got two other. You know, Travis Demerit is kind of is still on the forty man, uh, but he's not really an option for center field. And then, of course, Drew Waters. I feel like you know, I don't. I think that would be an emergency case situation. I think they want him playing every day, and uh, that wouldn't be the case. Uh, you know, if he were to come to Atlanta right now, so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting uh, over these next three and a half weeks just to kind of see where where they're at and how the narrative shifts as we get close, after we get past the All-Star game and then that that week week or so, you know, lead up to the uh, to the trade deadline. And I'll say so much, so much of it is just going to come down to, to price, right? Like, you know, how much you want to do something or how much you, you need to do something changes relative to how much it costs you know even if it's not something you necessarily set out to do if, if just a, a situation presents itself that a, a player that can you know maybe help you is available and the cost is really insignificant then you know even if it's not a t- at the very top of your list it might be something you do just to have a little extra depth you know it really doesn't hurt and then vice versa you know there might be there might be something that you desperately need that you're, that's at the very top of your list. But, you know, if it's so cost prohibitive, and we've seen this with Alex before, if he doesn't like the cost, he just won't do the deal. I mean, he's not going – he does not force the issue in that way. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times in that case, he'll go to his second or third need and add there to try to make up for the fact that he couldn't get his, his first. So, you know, it's really all just going to come down to cost, who's available, you know, how many sellers there are, how many buyers – you know, with the extra playoff spot, like I said, it's it changes the equation. Um, you know, it's probably more of a of a seller's market just because more playoff spots equals more buyers. So it all come down to cost. Yeah, I know that's what they were hoping for when they added that extra wild card. And, uh, you know, hopefully it uh, it does make it for an interesting race, an interesting trade deadline and then an interesting, um, you know, race down the at the end of the regular season. You know, just looking at back over uh, Alex uh, Anthopsis, uh tenure here uh you know he's not afraid to have a big trade deadline i mean we saw it um we saw it when he went out and got all the bullpen reinforcements and uh um i think it was i I remember if it was 2018 or 2019 but he went out and got melanson um shane green and uh, uh chris martin played a huge part you know down the stretch got him back in the playoffs and uh you know and then last year of course last year i mean we wrote that team off probably three times and the last was when Acuna went down and you know and and there he went out and he went out and filled the holes and uh, got it done so you know I won't be terribly surprised if they're a little more active than what we're what we're uh, expecting but I'm not expecting five trades like we what we saw last year yeah this team just doesn't have that many holes I mean obviously things can change it could be injuries or you know whatever but as as we as we talk about it today right now this team just doesn't have that many holes. I mean, there's just, you know, you, you definitely want to try to look at something for Albies in case he's not back or in case he's not, you know, 100% when he does come back. You know, you might want to look at bullpen. Um, you might want to look at outfield. But, you know, last year's team, they needed to add talent to do anything. Like, they had to add legitimate talent just to keep their hopes alive. And obviously, Alex did a tremendous job doing that. This team is not that. This team is already one of the best teams in baseball. They've got, you know, a fantastic roster. They're, they've got starting pitching. They've got bullpen. They've got offense. 
You know, they got some guys coming back from injury that's going to help with their depth. This is not so much mission critical as it was in 2021. Alex is going to be able to be a little more selective in what he wants. He doesn't really have to go do any one thing. And so, you know, that's a good spot to be in. Again, we've said they don't have a ton of, uh, they don't have a ton of ammunition in terms of prospects to use in trades, um, which is going to you know, obviously affect the type of player they go after. But, you know, we saw last year, rentals just don't cost a lot. And, you know, most teams have enough prospect capital to go get rentals. And, and if I'm, you know, if I'm a Braves fan, if I have to handicap it right now, that's where if the Braves do something, they'll, they'll lean heavily on the rental market guys who just don't cost a lot. Um, and I, 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 for one, trust Alex completely. He's shown he's just really, really good at this. He, he understands the clubhouse. He knows when a team needs a, uh, you know, an addition when the team doesn't. So, you know, it, it, I could see a scenario where it's a, it's a semi-busy trade deadline, and I could see a scenario where it's kind of a quiet deadline. If everybody's playing well and the injured guys look like they're on track to return, then, you know, it could be a very quiet deadline for the Braves. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, I'm sure this is a subject that we'll revisit um, probably in detail again as we get closer. So uh, um, any any final thoughts? I mean, uh, I think we pretty much covered the roster up and down. So uh, I think we can probably bring it to an end right here. Yeah, I need A.J. Mentor to get out of the inning so the, the Braves can score one in the ninth and win this game. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It really is. You know, it's going to come down to how many teams sell, how many teams buy who's available, you know, if the Braves can stay healthy. But uh, trade deadline is always fun. This will not be the last time we talk about it on this podcast. So stay tuned for more, and, and we'll have, you know, all, all across our podcast network, we'll have coverage over the deadline, the draft, all-star game coming up. Obviously, there's a, a playoff race coming up. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed. Check out the site. And, yeah, go Braves. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.